Welcome to The Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. All right. Hello to everyone in podcast land. Thanks for joining us today. Sean, how you feeling? Feeling good and excited to have another good guest this week. All right. So yes, today we have Abdul Karim Abdullah, uh, the CEO and founder of Afrofuture. Uh, Abdul, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Yourself? Oh yes, we're doing good. It's uh, I don't know what state you're in right now, but it's the weather's getting nice in New York, so I always appreciate that. Yeah, New York is beautiful this time <laughs> of the year. Indeed, indeed. All right. So, yes, uh, so for our audience, you know, I did give the title, you know, CEO and founder of Afrofuture, but, you know, uh, want to give the stage to you to kind of explain a little bit more and give a little bit more context to our audience, you know, what it what is Afrofuture, what it's about and, you know, so forth and how you got started. Yeah, Afrofuture is a cultural festival built to unite the black diaspora uh, in Accra, Ghana. Um, outside of that, we're much more than just a festival or a platform. To, to use as one to tell stories about local Africans starting off in Ghana, but expanding to Francophone, Southern Africa, uh, telling our stories firsthand, uh, working with local partners on the ground to be able to tell these stories through art, through music, through fashion, uh, and of course through food as well. Mm. Uh, and that's some of the work that we've done. Got it, got it. So. Uh, yeah, tell us, uh, you know, how did you get started? What led to you starting this and, and starting this, you know, business? Well, you know, we was going to, I'm, I'm, I'm from Ghana. My parents are from Ghana. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I always just felt as, as, an, as, as a kid growing up in America, you know, nobody understood I was Ghanaian until I told them that I was just a black kid in America. And because of that, I have lived between both of my cultures, being American and also Ghanaian at the same time. And I wanted to be able to introduce that to my friends. You know, I felt like there was an education that was necessary um, of people, one, wanting or having or building a desire for them to go back to the continent, show them what exactly is on the continent different than what they grew up thinking it was and, and demystifying some of the myths that were told about the continent or Ghana specifically. I mean, those are things that, that, that motivated me. And we also wanted to create a space where we could, like, develop cooperation and collaboration between the global DX diaspora. So it was just kind of like something that needed to happen. So I find a lot of businesses start off of either necessity or, like, a demand. Like, people are kind of you're solving a problem for people or it's something you're passionate about. So where did you fall into that spectrum? Was this because you were passionate about sharing, the dia- sharing with the diaspora? kind of what it's like back home for you or was there kind of uh, outreach of people saying hey you know i'd like to go to Accra, i'd like to go to ghana i want to go back to the motherland no i mean it was passion of course I, um you know the only thing that drives being able to develop build something like this is passion you know in the way that we do it at least uh for us it's it's passion at its core it is what keeps it going and keeps it running uh, it's the building connection, building connection, building community. Those are the things that are very, very important. Prior to this, right? Like, what were you doing prior to starting this? Um, I had thrown, we, I was a promoter right here in New York City. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would promote Afrobeats inspired concerts, uh, music, shows, 
uh, food events and brunches. Those are the kind of things that I would do. Uh, and I realized as we continued to build that out that it was something that wasn't just for the African community. It was spreading out to the other communities that were now becoming interested and in enjoying the music, enjoying the culture, the food, the, you, you know, even the fashion. So mm. we knew that there was an opportunity to, to get them to come with us back home. And now, did you have your feet in all of those kind of worlds? Like you said, you were a promoter. You talk about the fashion and like, obviously you got to have artists to um, do Afro beat um, performance in the Afro beat show. So were you already kind of in those worlds already? Or is that something you jump into more as this idea came to you? Well, as a promoter, yes. Um, but, you know, there were more things I was passionate about than more things that I was involved in. So as far as music, and, and food, yes, uh, I'm definitely, I was in those industries before. Now, fashion and art are things that I, te- I, I decided to get into after a while uh, and building the festival. Nice, nice. So uh, what, you know, I would imagine, you know, being a promoter in New York, obviously you have experience in organizing an event and stuff like that, but I would imagine a festival is a, quite a different, you know, undertaking. Um, what were some of the things, you know, you kind of had to get caught up to speed on, you know, and, and getting this put together? Yeah, I mean, um, it was a lot of learning on the job for mm-hmm. us. You know, we just needed to fully understand what our festival was going to actually look like. Mm-hmm. And that took some time, right? We had to mature as uh, curators and mm-hmm. producers. We had to mature you know, I thought process and I think some of the, uh, you know, things we went through informed us on the things that we needed. And every year we've just kind of uh, been able to raise our quality of expertise on the team. And that gives gives us the growth that we need to in the right direction. Um, one of the things that's important to us is keeping that family feel, keeping that, um, that uh, you know, familiarity, energy, Mm-hmm. You know, no matter how big the festival gets. All right. That seems like a hard thing to balance the growth and keeping that family feel. Um, how many, if uh, if you can say, like, a, around how many people work on Afrofuture right now? Uh, well, full staff across the board at any given time during the festival is about 1,500 people. Uh, but as far as people who... Uh, day-to-day, anywhere between uh, 20 to 40 people are working at a given time to bring a festival together. Wow, and those are all, like, are those all, like, W-2 employees, or some of that's, like, a mix of, like, 1099 and freelancers that help out? Like, how does... Yeah, so that's a mix. Um, As far as the 1500, that's a very large mix of contractors, um, third-party vendors, um, but for the most part, it's about 20 W-2s, and then the rest of them are 1099s or freelancers. When you first started, like when you first got the idea and said, hey, I'm going to make this happen, right? Like, how how far in advance were you working on this before the first actual event? And I'm asking because, you know, Sean and myself, we have experience in festivals and, you know, just in our, the roles that we've had, it's been quite a huge undertaking. So kind of just trying to get insight into your perspective and how long it took since you were leading the whole charge. It took about three or four years. Mm. Mm. Um, the festival as it is now, 
concept took about three years to develop into what would become Afrochella at the time. Mm-hmm. And it took another five years, six years, uh, another four to five years for it to become Afrofuture. Mm-hmm. So even before we announced, we knew that it was going to be that. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like, you know, progressing towards something else and growing into something bigger. Right. So initially I want this, it, it, it was something that was supposed to even be in the U.S. to mm-hmm. educate people and then, you know, both financing and also just kind of understanding what we wanted to do further pushed us to do it on the continent. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as on the continent, you know, the response has given us even more responsibility to really develop some of the concepts um, that we have within the festival to, you know, change narratives, but to also bring more people together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we recognize that the future of the world is Africa, right? If you think about it, one of four people by 2050 will be African, youngest continent on the planet, um, and it will be for the foreseeable future. So it just makes sense for us to engage more people that look like us around the world to be interested in what is happening on the continent and opportunities that exist on the continent because that future shouldn't pass by Black people. That's real crazy to me that, you know, you initially wanted to start it in America and then decided, no, I'm going to do the first one in Accra. Like, I I just don't want to roll over that because that's kind of like, that's really ambitious from my perspective. Like, what made you come up with that decision to decide that, like, nah, it's not America. We're going to start it there. We're going to, like, jump, like, two feet in. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like I'm familiar with New York, I'm familiar with Ghana, Accra specifically, right? I drive, when I get to Ghana, I drive myself in a crowd. Sometimes they leave my car at the airport. I get off the plane, I put my bags in a trunk and I'm driving. It's it's home to me, you know? So um, it just, you know, when we realized that the whole goal should be to get people to want to come to Africa, it was a time when black people are starting to travel in travel groups or try, are starting to go places. Um, and I wanted my partner, my team wanted more people to choose Africa as a destination. Mm-hmm. Mm. Could uh, could you speak to, you know, the <laughs> the difference in um, you know, the challenges? Excuse me, in trying to do business internationally, right? Um, from you know, just the logistics and le- legal perspective as well. I mean, there's a lot of things that you have to consider, uh, a lot of red tape. Mm-hmm. Did you? A lot of red tape around a lot of things, whether it's money transfer, whether it's um, taxes, whether it's, um, uh, you know, just track marketing, mm-hmm. social media, um, you know, even sometimes depending on, what market and what music you can use to promote your stuff, mm-hmm. uh, how you can access certain apps and payment processors. All of those things are political. Right. Um, light costs, all of those things are political, you know? So definitely a lot of challenges to overcome. So would you have some sort of like business liaison over there that helped you out with some of those things or you kind of just majority, on your own because you're familiar? Majority of my team are in Africa. I'm the I'm one of uh, a few that are on the uh, that in America or are between the continent and America. 
Wow. Yeah, no stuff. All right. Uh, so, you know, so far, you know, obviously you've been doing this for a while now, a few years, um, <clears throat> and and going through it and learning every year. What would you say has probably been the hardest part of the business so far? Um, the hardest part of the business is just remaining steadfast and continuing to believe and to continue to grow beyond where you're at. Um, because obviously doing business in Africa is not easy. Partners, getting people to support, getting people to understand just because it's Africa doesn't mean it's cheaper. Getting them to understand all of those things require a lot of energy mm-hmm. and a lot of travel. Um, you know, uh, overall, we're very grateful for the impact we've had on people. We're very grateful for the impact we've had on the travel business to Africa, and, um, you know, and, and and also how much we've inspired people on the continent and around the continent to, to do similar things. All right, all right. Uh, speaking of travel, you know, obviously, if you're U.S.-based and the event is um, in Ghana, how, how, how much... What's the percentage breakdown of how much time you spend over there as opposed to the States nowadays? It's getting close to 50-50 now. Yeah? Yeah. Right around 40-60. Okay, yeah. So, uh, definitely. So your frequent flyer miles are nice (laughs) nowadays. Yeah, it's been kind of insane. Okay, got it, got it. It's been kind of insane, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I would imagine, you know, especially leading this type of uh, venture and, and being the head of, of this organization. Um, what would you say is probably a, a myth or about entrepreneurship or even the type of business that you're in that, you know, you would be, you would be quick to say, no, that's not really the way you think it is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to attack the songs. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, that's fine. Uh, I know usually um, when you're doing like music or entertainment, it's kind of like the thought of, oh, it's also glamorous. You know, you get to hang with celebs. I mean, and... yeah, I mean, I guess people love the fact, you know, say, oh, you're living a life because you travel. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's sexy to them, and it probably used to be sexy to me, but it's taxing on the body. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, taxing. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, and you could say this is none of your business, <laughs> but I'm just curious from a business perspective, what's your main like source of revenue that like keeps the lights on? Is it the ticket sales from the event? Is it the sponsorship opportunities? Is it something else that I may not even be aware of? Like, yeah. Combination of both and the bars, obviously are great opportunities as well. The bars you said? Oh, like yeah, the, the bar. local bars? Yeah. Oh yeah. I wouldn't even thought of that. Yeah. Okay. I guess that one of the secret the secret cash flows, right? Yeah, that's yeah. like where the money is. Indeed. Yeah. You, uh, you did mention, um, you know, how the travel and the work and all of that, it does uh, get taxing on the body, right? Um, and, you know, we're definitely about maintaining balance with your health and as you work on the business. Are you doing, you know, what do you do to kind of maintain or, you know, keep your health up to par while you're trying to, while you're running this business, I try to bike. Uh, like today, I went biking. Mm-hmm. Uh, biking is a thing for me. Uh, you know, that's one way I'm able to do it. Definitely go to the, you know spa a lot. Travel sometimes. I 
I like to get comfortable rooms so I could just, you know, reflect on my own time. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are things that I try to do. Listen to music a lot, you know. Right, right, right. Definitely. Um, and this might, um, this is going along the lines of the personal side a bit more, right? Like, I don't know if you you have a family. Well, I mean, like kids and a spouse, uh, or. No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, because definitely is going to ask how does that impact that balance as well, right? Especially with the traveling and the home life, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, like, that's not an issue right now. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's a good, that's good for now, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about, like, from your perspective as the owner, as the CEO, who are your competitors right now? Do you look at the Made in Americas, the Coachellas, the the Broccoli Fest? Do you look at those as your competitors? No, I don't look at those as our competitors at all. I actually don't see competitors. The reason, and I'm saying that very humbly because I think what we're building is very unique to us, where it's not just about the music. You don't come to the festival just to see who's on the lineup. You, you come for the immersive experience. and. One of the things that we see about our audience is once they come to Ghana, they tend to come back again, and 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 not just one year, but multiple years. They they want to know how to live there. So our festivals, I don't see competition as far as the type of experience we're able to bring. I think we're very unique in that in that in that effort. And along those same lines, you get all of the elements of the other experiences at our experience. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely unique. I've, I've only attended one the 2019 slash 2020, but I mean, yeah, it's not like anything else. Um, but along that same, along those same lines, when you were building, because I know you talked about how it took you a couple years to actually decide, you know, what the what the event looks like, right? What's the programming? What it what is it, right? So, did you look towards any other festivals or maybe any other experiences that kind of gave you inspiration or like um, like things that you took and made your own? Um, yeah, definitely I've been inspired by a bunch of festivals. Some in Ghana for Charlie Wati was, was was a very good inspiring one. Um uh, Made in America, Broccoli Fest, all inspiring festivals for sure. Mm-hmm. Um I just wanted to kind of ask about, you know, locations and so forth. You know, we know it's it's been in Ghana and, and uh but are there plans to expand into other African nations and you know African countries or moving forward or you know? Even- yeah, we have. We've worked in Cote d'Ivoire. We've worked in. Um, we worked in Cote d'Ivoire. We worked in uh, uh, South Africa. We're looking to go back to those. We went back to Cote d'Ivoire earlier this year. Mm-hmm. We that uh, possibly um, Kenya in addition this year. You know what? I just thought about competitor free or not competitor. I'm not trying to find competitors. Stop trying to find competitors, (laughs) But it reminds me of Carnival, doesn't it, Danny? Like the whole, you know, crop over or whatever. Uh It's that kind of vibe. Carnival is definitely a very good example of what what we're trying to recreate. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, that was that was good. That was good, Sean. Stop trying to find competition, but that was a good. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) definitely a, a, a comparable experience. It sounds like to that. Yeah. Um, I would like to, you know, while we're on the subject, just talk about, uh, you know, we've talked about the journey and what you've been doing and, and even what you were doing before you started this, which was uh, the promotions and, and being in that industry. 
Um, and of course, this is always you're always going to keep learning, right? Like every year brings new challenges and, and, and new things to figure out. But was was there anything, you know, especially early on when you first started where you were like, wow, I wish I wish I would have known this before I started. or I, I wished I would have known, you know, about this aspect of the business. Oh, man, there's so many things. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wish I would have just known how to find certain partners, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot more effectively. I wish um, I probably would have raised more money before I started. You know, there's so many things that you can wish. Mm -hmm. I think that our started when we started is exactly where we needed to be. Mm -hmm. We just got to be where our feet is at. You uh, and speaking. Of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. I got it. I'll, I'll table it. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna speaking of money. Like, um, how in the beginning, at least, you know, before you, you know, made back your investments and and got a return on like these events from the big turnouts. Like, what percentage of your um, I guess, initial money was like, um, borrowed versus you know, um, like loans and things like that, credit versus you know. Nobody was, trying to give us, nobody was trying to give us any money. This is all I really, savings. yeah. This mm. is all our savings. Mm. Wow. So there was no like outside credit or uh, even um, loans at all. That's amazing. <laughs> How do you pay artists? This is, I, I mean, that must <laughs> have been a big expense. Right? Any, like, the first year we didn't have any real artists. Mm. Well, we had real artists, but we, they weren't so expensive where we couldn't afford them that first year. Right. Right. Yeah, so we had real artists. It's just, you know, we didn't have the expenditure. Like it, it was, it was, it was within our budget. Right, right. right. Yeah. Could could you, you know, just speak to some of the reasons or you know why you were denied funding and or loans uh, for for the venture early on? We didn't even know how to go yeah. about getting loans, so mm. we didn't. So we didn't. Mm. We didn't do it. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. Because cool. it seems like proof of concept should be hard. It's like there's examples of there of comparable things. Yeah, I think so a like, lot of people think it's like that, but it's, it's not really like that. <laughs> you know, you can have a concept that's 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 well proven, but sometimes it's still difficult for you to get the funding. Right. right it's all right. about. There's mm -hmm. a lot of, there's a lot of intangibles there. Right. Right. Um, you did mention, you know, when we talk about some of the things you would have probably rethought or, or done a bit different. You know, you spoke about partners and picking certain partners. Um, and we talk about that a lot on our show. <laughs> we always say sometimes it's, you know, the right partner can make everything or break everything, right? Um, how do you go about nowadays? Like, or, or you know, what's your process with partnering with people if, if that's even still an option on the table nowadays? I mean, our partner. I think partnership is the is the foundation. You have to partner with people to grow beyond where you at, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean. In order to be able to grow, you have to do the partnerships. Um, as far as partnering with people, I just like to partner with like minded people, mm -hmm. people with integrity, uh, people that are trying to partner uh, for more than just money. Um, mm -hmm. Those things are very important to me. Got it. Got it. A couple uh, episodes back, we did a episode, a book review on a book called Built to Sell. Um, and I always think about every business now from that lens. So <laughs> not so from your perspective, like, is there like 
ever is, is there ever a case or a scenario or a, a world where like you sold the brand to another person or another entity is there like a, a magic number that would make you entertain something like that or maybe the right you know partner that you know they would it would be in good hands or is that not even on your radar yet um right now no i mean right now that's not where, where my mind is at at all mm-hmm. so that's yeah. that's so he's like, nope, can't be so jet. But I'm assuming, uh, obviously, we can assume, but I'm assuming some of, you know, like the Live Nations and, and so forth have been knocking on your door. Hey, man, if it happens, it happens, man. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All yeah. right. So, uh, Sean. got come with the correct number, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. So, Sean, I know we're, we're getting close to time. Uh, so I just wanted to check, see if you had any, you know, closing questions you wanted to ask. Nah, Abdul, I think you've been, uh, yeah, you've been answering our questions really well. Thank you. Um, I don't really have anything specific, but I did just want to, um, is there a side of the business in general that we're not seeing something that like takes up nine out of your, out of your nine hours out of your day that like, we're not even thinking of that would be part of a festival. You know what I mean? Like there's probably so many moving pizzas that we're not even aware of. So like, what's something that we might not even know is a huge part of your day? Um, Hmm. Honestly, I, I I don't know how to answer that question either. I would say uh, a huge part of my day. Yeah, like what which email which email address when you see that coming in your inbox, you just roll your eyes immediately. <laughs> like what's the like what's that you know the thing that like you know just there's always that one email. You're like, damn, I don't want to answer this right now. Oh, it's a bunch of those. <laughs> uh, it's a bunch of those emails. Um, probably my accountants. <laughs> <laughs> probably my accountants. Yeah. You know, <laughs> she's awesome. She's really great. What um? What kind of um? How did you form the business? Did you form an LLC initially? Did you do an S corp? Like, what was kind of your um mode for forming the business when you knew you were ready to start it? Yeah, we did an LLC. Okay, and what was the reason you chose that? Um, because it was the easiest one up front. To be fair, I mean, our whole thing was, we're just gonna do it. Mm. You know, we wanted to do something, and we wanted to. Um, we we just we knew that we wasn't gonna start till we started. So our approach was, yo, we, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That I mean ain't. You ain't gonna do you. If you don't do it, you'll never know, right? So it sounds like yeah, kind of definitely took that approach. Like we're gonna do it. We'll figure out along the way and keep making those changes and adjustments as we need to year over year, right? Yeah. Ah, that's dope. Absolutely. That's dope. That's dope stuff right there. All right, Sean. I feel like this is. I know this is a sh- one of our shorter calls, but I f- I feel like this is probably the most succinct. <laughs> that. Uh, right. Yeah, right. Dudes don't play. You don't waste no breath. He's like, no, these are the answers. He made, he made. <laughs> and then this is this is what this is what I did. Uh, no, for sure. He made he made every minute count. Every every uh, so we definitely appreciate. It. No knock on our other guests, but it definitely it was like, you know, you've been here. You you've been doing this for a while. I see. So yeah. Our last episode, we split up into two parts. No shade to our other guests. Oh no, nah, she was but she was cool. She was good. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. Sometimes you need both, you know. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. You need that balance. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, so yeah, uh, do you you know any closing 
Any closing words? Anything we should be on the lookout for? Uh, you know, stay tuned for uh, for for Afro Future and so forth. Or any new I mean, we got we, we coming soon. Uh, you know, follow our website. Sign up for our, you know, sign up for our uh, our newsletter because a lot of information is coming at us soon. Mm-hmm. We have charter jets, charter jets this year going from New York to our car, reducing that airline cost. So definitely mm-hmm. stay tuned and tap wow. down that we're doing this year nice nice all right wow we're coming for the airline i heard it too. yeah yes. i heard it here first yeah <laughs> or maybe yeah. not first but i heard it here all right uh cool cool all right so well, thank you for your time uh we look forward to seeing all the good stuff that you have uh coming uh for afro future thank you so much man. all right no problem you have a good one all right, so that's a wrap on this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed our engaging discussions and interviews with our guests. Hopefully, it provided you with some value as you navigate through your business journey and personal life. As always, if you have a question you would like us to answer on the show, shoot us a message on any of our social media channels. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share on Spotify and iTunes. See you again soon. In the meantime, keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors. I'm out here on the grind. I'm out here on the grind.